welcome back to Everything All the Time. I'm your host, Melissa Taylor. I started this podcast because I was broken and I was feeling the pressure of doing it all, all of it, homeschool, cooking, cleaning, my job, parenting, maintaining friendships, just all of it. And I'd hope, I'd such hope that all we had to do was round the corner. When we turned that corner, we would be we would be good. We would be able to start going into public again. We would be able to start going to school again. We'd be able to get on a plane and see our family. And, well, here we are. It's been about a month since I started this podcast, and it's not better. It's worse. Cases are rising. The entire state of Oklahoma is out of ICU beds. Our nurses, the ones we praised in March, are burnt out. They love their jobs, but at what risk? We're no longer looking out for one another. I have a number of friends who have isolated as much as we have, and we've only opened our group to a few select people, but so many more aren't. They're just not. So many people are not willing to be selfless and give up on parties and traditions. And I allude to this as much later in the podcast, but what's worse, missing one Christmas and Thanksgiving with your family or having an empty chair at the table for the rest of your holiday gatherings? It's not worth it. This is the time for us to call upon ourselves and do the right thing. It's more than just wearing a mask. It's more than washing your hands. It's physically avoiding people. It's more work for us to do. It is, again, everything all the time, but it's a very small sacrifice to save lives. I say this because I am getting so burnt out and I am ready to turn in the towel and just give up too. But humanity is greater than my selfish needs. I miss my family. I miss my friends. I miss, God, I miss Disneyland. I miss actual life events. But please stay home. Please wear a mask. Please protect yourself and others. Anyways, I'm burnt out and I'm frustrated. And I hope that if you are too, you're not feeling alone because there's a lot of us like this. One person I'm bringing to you today is another internet friend. We have been activists together for the past five years. And while I thought I was getting stuff done in the gun violence prevention arena, she is getting stuff done. She lives in Ohio and has to fight constantly to pass gun sense legislation. And she does it. She makes the call, sends the texts, safely knocks on the doors, all with her three children not far behind. She is doing the groundwork so that your communities can be safe. Today I am talking with my friend Rebecca Korski, who I know from the internet. She, along with my previous guest, Kathleen, or what we call the ladies' internet. We met about four years ago, or longer than that, because our kids are four. We met a while ago, let's say that. We both have been very active in a volunteer group called Moms Demand Action. Rebecca was a teacher turned stay-at-home mom, and she is now a lead volunteer with Moms Demand Action, and she has worked on election work, she says, throughout the past year, but I know it's been throughout the past three years. So welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for spending your first free evening in one year with me. 
I know. I'm excited. This is my me time. I know. This is your self-care, chatting with a girlfriend. It really is. You don't even know. Like, <laughs> like I would... hold up in my bedroom, all settled up in my bed. This is my time <laughs> to chat. I'm excited. I was thinking about it earlier because we didn't do it on Zoom, that you didn't have to get fancy like you've had to I get know. for. <laughs> and I didn't. So I know I actually <laughs> thought about that, too. I'm like, I don't even have to pretend to be camera ready. Do you think that your high school self would be surprised by your current self? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I never thought I'd be a stay-at-home mom, so we'll start there. I never thought I'd be living where I do. I live in like an exurb, um, a rural-ish community, I'd say. Um, I'm not far out, but it's not, you know, a a suburb. Um, It's not where I pictured myself to be. Um, (laughs) But I also never thought I'd be this active or this much of an organizer that's, you know, politically active. My family's always been involved in, you know, our town. My great grandfather was mayor. My grandfather and my aunt are very involved still. So that's always been part of my family, but I never imagined taking it to the level that I have in the past few years. And you were a big part of that. You know, you were the first person to tell me about Moms Demand Action. And I went to my first meeting and left with a leadership role, basically, (laughs) and have been um, holding, you know, a variety of leadership roles ever since. I think even when I told you about it, it was when I still lived in Florida, and all I had done at that point was attend, because I previously lived in Virginia, so I had attended two meetings in Virginia, but at the time, I really couldn't do anything, because as you know, a lot of the work is during the day, like going um, to state or talking with legislators and I had a job and I couldn't do it. And then I moved to Florida and I lived in Gainesville and they didn't have a chapter there. And then you actually, so I gave you the name, but I feel like you definitely dove right in way before I did. It clicked. And I found like one of the areas that really clicked with me and just, you know, went with it. And, you know, I worked in that area for a few years and then you know, I really committed to doing more for elections after 2016. And a year ago, I took on this elections role um, to lead our elections work in the state. You know, it just took over, you know, like it really spoke to me. And it was something I was really passionate about that I didn't even realize how much um, I was passionate about it. And it's yeah. been, it's been a year. Like, you know, it's been, <laughs> things I we both have four-year-old daughters who are like a month and a half apart from each other and they both were our little activist babies Facebook has been showing me these pictures from four years ago where I have a baby strapped to my chest while I'm like out marching or I know you and I have a ton of pictures of kids with our elected officials delivering letters or just being there while we're leading meetings how has activism affected your kids? I was thinking about this a lot too, about you and I both doing this with our kids <laughs> and like how great it is because I didn't step into any kind of activism or political work until I was in my thirties. So to have kids really growing up in this and, you know, I'm pretty honest with my kids about why I do the work I do and why it's so important. And, you know, they know that this is why we're going to you know, in normal times, why we're going to meetings and, you know, why we're going to different events. 
and now why I have Zoom calls all the time. Um, right. And I think that that's important. But it used to be taking the kids everywhere. And when I um, signed up for this elections lead, I pictured all of this me time to myself, right? So I thought I would be going to meetings and recruiting volunteers to work with elections with me and to help candidates. And I thought I would be going out and doing more campaigning myself and speaking to candidates in person and being out of the house. And this is going to be like a year of me. And yeah. instead, this is all at home and on Zoom. Like I had more Zoom meetings than you know, I ever could imagine. So the kids are still there, but now they're coming at me with like a huge box of cereal and a yeah. bowl <laughs> while I am trying to give a presentation and I'm oh. trying to like give my daughter a spoonful of Nutella off camera so no one can <laughs> see what I'm feeding her just to keep her quiet, you know, while I'm speaking and with Disney Plus in the background. Right, exactly. <laughs> and like all of the coordination that goes into I have three kids. So that goes into setting everything up just to get on Zoom. And it never lasts because as soon as they hear me speaking, someone's in the room oh, right. anyway. Um, so I don't know why I put in all the effort and, you know, no one cares. Everyone's fine seeing the kids and everyone's okay yeah. taking a pause for the interruptions, but still, you know, it wasn't quite the year that I expected. When did you officially step into the role? Was it last beginning? November? So it was a year, a year ago. Yes. So a lot of, so you had a good, like four month run. Yeah. So, th but that was a lot of planning at home. So it was all of like looking at the data from, you know, previous election cycles. It was gathering information, you know, it was all of the at home work. So really when we, yeah. when I first started going to meetings was like February to meet candidates and to start pitching the idea of an elections team to volunteers. And then come the beginning of March, everything shut down and went virtual. So I, you know, have like two in-person events under my belt before everything <laughs> changed. So it really was not what I had envisioned for uh, the year. You live in Ohio, which was one of the first states to, I feel like, actually take this seriously. Yeah. Our governor I feel, I, acted quickly at first. So things shut down pretty quickly. Schools, I think we were the second state, maybe. We were one of the first states to cancel schools right away. Um, my kids weren't in school yet. My son was only in preschool. So, you know, it didn't affect us in a huge way. My husband works from home full time anyway. Um, I'm home with my kids and my kids, my oldest was in preschool. So I have now a one-year-old, three and a half-year-old and a six-year-old. We are all home all of the time. <laughs> the reason I was bringing up Ohio being one of the first states to shut down is that now in the time since then, you guys have loosened up a bit and but cases are rising right now and yeah you're about to have lockdown 2.0 and I keep thinking to myself what is everyone doing why have I been trapped with my family for almost eight months now almost an entire pregnancy yes oh gosh yes <laughs> <laughs> and social media has been hard too and I know that different states and different areas you know it's different in different places, but yeah. seeing local people and local friends acting like nothing's different. 
And I'm here like screaming to myself, this is why we can't have nice things. Like, you know, this is why cases are rising. And it's just hard because we are, Ohio's getting really bad again. You just said the Cleveland Clinic is no longer doing, like, they canceled elective surgeries again? Yes, temporarily. um, I believe because so many of the healthcare workers are out with COVID that they have contracted through community spread. Um, Community spread is really bad right here in the state right now. So, you know, it's ever schools are closing because they can't staff because, you know, teachers and transportation departments are getting sick. We're heading into, I think, a long winter. And, you know, I'm outside of Cleveland where winters are cold and gray and long anyway. I'm a little worried about what, you know, lies ahead. But We'll see. You know, it won't change too much for us. Do you worry that your kids, when things go back to normal, it'll be, they won't want to play with friends? Oh, like, totally. Because they'll be so used to you guys. Absolutely. And, you know, my daughter is, she's never been in school. Like, this would have been her first year of preschool. So mm-hmm. I worry about that, you know, like starting later and she's never really had friends of her own and how will that be? But yeah, you know, we're just not even having real play dates. We had some over the summer, yeah. but it's harder to be outside right now. And, um, you know, my son is pretty social and outgoing now, but after being home for so long, I think that transitioning to full-time school will be hard for him again. And, you know, I think there's going to be so many struggles. I just picture your kids. I picture your kids like my kids that they won't know how to relate to other kids, but they'll relate really well to yes. adults. Yes. <laughs> so much. I see your oldest and how excited he is to talk to politicians. <laughs> it's his favorite thing. Like he has a favorite state rep that he's a little obsessed with and we <laughs> campaigned for him in 2018. And when we finally did some lit drops this year, And he was able to meet the state rep again, you know, the first time in two years, he was like over the moon. And what (laughs) five-year-old is like so excited to meet as a state lawmaker, you know, by like May this weekend. My five-year-old last spring, preschool moved to Zoom for like circle time or morning meeting. So it was like 20 minutes once a day for the kids to talk about the weather and sing some songs or whatever half the kids refused to even do it because they didn't know what zoom was or weren't used to FaceTime, you know, like weren't used to anything on a screen in that way. And then there's Brennan who, who figured out or knew from watching me how to like press the space bar to unmute himself, you know, (laughs) because he was so used to watching me in my zoom meetings. And I'm like, dude, you can't unmute yourself when the teacher has you muted. Like, uh, you know, maybe that's a benefit. I don't know, but he was like running the show. They stopped preschool for Ella, who's my youngest. Anna has taken to Zoom meetings like she's been doing this her whole life. She's just like a very routine, like, okay, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. But I am the same with Ella that I think you are with Sloan, which is like, what are we going to (laughs) do when it's like she I feel bad because my oldest can have FaceTime play dates. Like she's had two this week, which I don't know why it took me this long to figure out. Call another friend's mom and they can be on an iPad for an hour and a half together. I did that today and 
why have I waited eight months to do I this? have teenagers but... in my family, and that's who I use that for. So it is like FaceTiming oh, yeah. with the teenagers. So go See, again, they're going to talk to them. <laughs> right. Back to the adults and not knowing how to talk to other children. But right. <laughs> the teenagers will always listen. So. But I feel bad for Ella because she gets on these Zoom calls with Anna, and then Anna's like, but I just want to talk to my friend alone. Yeah. And then I'm like... Ella has nobody to talk no, to. No, and like the same thing. My daughter Sloan really doesn't either because she never had the opportunity to form a friendship. You know, she was never in school. She never, and she was young. Right. Three is young to make that kind of friend that you can have over face FaceTime. Yeah, at that age. Yeah. My favorite, I guess, pandemic quarantine stories is you taking her to soccer oh, camp. Yes, this was like the biggest <laughs> fail ever. And so we were trying to think of a way to sign the kids up for something that seemed relatively safe. And there's this soccer clinic. So the kids have their own ball. They're not playing games, really. They're just learning skills. And we thought, okay, this is, you know, outdoors, a safe way for the kids to be around other kids and other adults, you know, just to be around someone else. And right. it was in two age groups. So my daughter's lesson was first and the child will not step foot on the field at all. But not only will she not step foot on the field, she will sit on her ball, like back away from the field and yell that everyone else out there is busted. And (laughs) she is not going to go out there with them because they're busted. And her family is the best. So she's just going to play with her family. So for six weeks, she would not step foot on the field and she would, play she'd do whatever they were doing with her father and you know had the best time with him but she was not about to go around the other children at all and I'm just like what am I gonna do you know (laughs) right make her and she didn't want to but we still went every week and you know my son's class was right after that so it was just easy to go and see if she was going to give it a try but Every week she sat there and was not about to go with those other children. So you have been like running rampant. So you started doing election work and then shut down and had to occupy three kids, which I was slightly jealous of you because you have the teacher background. So you kind of knew what activities to do. Yeah, at the beginning, it started out real cute. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was like that was spring. <laughs> it didn't last. Oh, <laughs> but I think back to like all the Facebook groups I joined, or like all the activities people would send, or you know, you just found right. online like things to do. Like it was like it was like Pinterest exploded again, and I just had all these ideas, and I had lists around the house of what we and were. And all the do. virtual visit this museum, virtual visit this zoo, virtual oh, all of those. I forgot right? about that. <laughs> My kids weren't down for that. They were so mad at those things. They're like, we don't want to see the rhinos on the computer. We want to go to the zoo. And I was like, well, that's not an option. So look on the screen. All of our stuff went, like dance class went virtual. And my kids were like, no, thank you. (laughs) I mean, we just tried to do it all. And I remember one day going to Facebook and being like, this is hard. Everything's hard. I don't know what I'm doing. And somebody was like, put on some music and dance. I was just like, what? Do you not think that right. I've done that for 12 years? Right. The helpful tips. So this is how. We've done all the things. We've searched the internet. 
I have, I think you and I both have talked about how we have like a high threshold for kids doing messy things. Yes. And that mine's gone right. now. Well, and I have no threshold for anything. <laughs> like I am way open with TV, even like any of it. I am fine at this point, but at the same time, it's just so much like I can't take those TV characters voices anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, I am done yeah. with it. So I don't know. My limit has been reached. I go through this cycle of like, are my kids just going to remember their childhood being watching TV? And what does that say about me as a mom? Am I a good mom? My (laughs) big struggle has been like, especially the past two months has been so focused on all of this election work and campaigning work. Because when I'm not organizing the volunteers, I'm doing my own work for candidates, like campaigning work. So I'm also texting and phone banking and doing whatever I can for candidates like on the side. Right. So I felt like, especially these last two months or three months, this push of like any spare moment I have, I have to be spending on election work or campaigns. Right. So like any moment. So I'm up late every night like I'm a night person anyway so that's not really different but every night I'm up late I'm not watching tv you know I'm I have the tv on but you know I'm like doing the work and during the day I'm on a lot of zoom calls throughout the day planning you know planning events or whatever and um team meetings but the kids have like just had a free-for-all not only TV and electronics, but also food and snacks. Like I have not been, I I don't love cooking anyway. It's like the whole menu planning, making the grocery order, like even in normal times, it's not my thing. It's usually my husband's thing. Like he's usually the grocery shopper, but um, it's been, he's been working an insane amount since um, the pandemic. He's been working long, long hours, even though he's home. So he's not doing a lot of the shopping or as much as he usually does. Um, So even grocery orders, like, you know, I'll put in an order, but then we still have to do a trip to the store each week to make up for whatever didn't get filled in the order or whatever. Do you know, like I have yet to figure this out. I mean, I've been using grocery ordering online for, I mean, I did it before the pandemic, but I still have yet to figure out, like, how do they not know when I say it, like, I want apples to not give me one right. apple. That's not really what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I even change it to be, like, right. pounds. And then I'll pull out the grocery list and it'll be like, I ordered a cucumber. Here is the smallest cucumber this is, we found. <laughs> we do not have great grocery order options where I live. So it's like you take what you get and hopefully something works and you can still make a meal that night. And that's not always the case. So (laughs) it's very much like cross your fingers, even in the best times. But, um, you know, I've just blown it off for so long, especially the last, you know, two, three months. It's like my, my kids are just getting their own snacks out of the fridge all day long. So now that everything has calmed down and, you know, like life is not normal, but normal in pandemic times, I suppose. I'm like thinking to myself, I need to, or I should 
consider making meals again, or at least a meal, yeah. you know, like set some type of goal. Yeah. So we're, you know, my kids are having more than just, you know, random snacks from 11 a.m. until 6 p.m. Right. Because it's like just grazing all right. day long. And there's three of them. And it's just like constant eating and trails of crumbs throughout the house at this point. That's that's my goal. I signed up for a no meal subscription delivery. That's like yeah. step one, which I've never done before. Well, we signed up for the same one. And I, as I was cooking dinner tonight, was like, why didn't I just order it? Right. I'm like, just one less thing to think about because I'll make it if it's here. But the whole like having to menu plan, right. having to shop for that, like if I can just eliminate those steps, we'll see how it goes. Baby steps yeah. here of getting back into the what? real world. So. So I am always like a list shopper, but I think I shop kind of how my mom raised me to shop, which was like, you figure out what you're going to eat that week and then you buy what you need for that and that's it. And that's literally how I shop. So I never go off list. So I'll come home and I have everything we need to make dinner, but I don't have like oh, breakfast See, that's food. how my husband is. So I sent him to the store and that's like all he brings back. And I never think to write down all of the other things we need because the children and I are like yeah. snackers or right. <laughs> like, you know, we need to stock the pantry and, you know, with the last week or the week before, I'm like, I need to go to the store. Not you, not the grocery order. Like I need to go and actually like grab stuff off the shelves yeah. as I see it. I did my big trip. We're yeah. stocked. We're good. I hate cooking. Like we have friends both you and I have friends who like love to prepare a meal and love and have like really gone all in on this. Like I'm going to take advantage of cooking. And I'm like, Oh, could we just, can you guys just right. eat SpaghettiOs? Right. Like, is that fine? <laughs> Here you go. Like, why do I have to think? And then, or I'll mess up a, a something like I messed up something last week and it was way too salty. My oldest was like very sweet and trying to eat it. My youngest was, basically throwing it against the wall. (laughs) I'm just excited to have a toddler who will eat anything again. Like my kids have each gotten pickier as they've gotten older, but I've always had like a good garbage disposal baby. So I'm excited to have that phase again because he will eat anything. But the Um, other ones, I I know, the other ones not so much. But it is, it's like all this effort and all this time and – and then either no one eats it or, and then it, you know, I don't know. Cooking is not my thing. I was unloading the dishwasher today and I was just like, sunrise, Always. sunset. Always. Sunrise. And that's the other thing. Like, I've been able, I think all of this volunteering has been my way to avoid life in the pandemic. Does that mm. make sense? Like, it's yeah. been total No, absolutely. And Maybe it's self-care in some way, but it's been like my way out. Like that for me was a big part. I mean, I know I have to take care of my kids, but also like, what's my purpose? Right. What am I doing here? Like, you know, I'm home. Yeah. We have nowhere to go. We have nothing to do. So I probably took this to the next level more than I needed to because (laughs) what else is going on right now? Let's step it up for democracy well, and it's like right, tangible right. too I was always doing something but starting in September I got very like I'm dedicating x amount of time a weekend to phone banking or text banking or whatever or like you said earlier if I have an hour I can do this because I also got 
very focused on, I don't want to wake up on November 4th thinking like if I had only text one more person or whatever, no regrets. But then like November 4th came, I have November 4th because it was like all last week, but you know, after this weekend, I'm home on Sunday and I'm like, now what? Like, what do I do now? Do I actually have to? Do I have to actually what do clean you my do house? Now? Because my husband's been smart enough not to comment on like the mountains of laundry or the things that we've all let go because he's working nonstop. I've been volunteering nonstop. Everyone's kind of let things go here. So now's the time yeah. to like address all these things and figure it out. Plus the holidays are coming. So your family is like yes, Christmas we are. 3.0. You have your in-laws have a big 24-hour unwrapping present thing. <laughs> how uh, how's that gonna Yeah. Go? We'll get there when we get there. I just we host Thanksgiving for my side of the family and we just cut that this week um, out of necessity, yeah. but it's still sad. Yeah. So we haven't addressed the Christmas situation yet. You know, just thinking of all of the Christmas events that we usually do leading up to Christmas, you know, the fun kids stuff and mm-hmm. how those aren't happening this year. So I've bought like three different tickets to drive through lights, you know, like that Aww. the zoo's having one and the park by our house is having one. And like, is that all we're doing or driving through and seeing lights this year? Then I'll buy them all. Which will be fine. You know, we'll figure it out. But I just haven't given any thought to yeah. it because I've been so focused on getting to November 3rd. So now I'm like, oh, hey, holidays yeah. are coming. Time, time to think about that. We were planning on flying home. And since Saturday, so it's almost a week. It'll definitely be a week by the time this airs. Yeah. Cases just keep rising and rising and rising. And I looked at my husband at dinner tonight and I, I said, I cannot in good conscience get on an airplane right now I just can't I miss our family and I miss even if we like sat in a yard to see friends from right far away for Christmas I don't want to be somewhere and like just be worried the whole time it's so much easier for me because I live in California and my family lives on the east coast so I can say no it's not safe but I can't yeah we're all local both of our families are local and extended families. And so it's the big extended family Christmas Eve. And then it's the other big family Christmas day. You, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of holidays leading up to the one holiday <laughs> and it's great, <laughs> but it's not happening this year. And we are definitely the ones taking everything the most seriously, but just trying to think of ways to make it, special for our kids I think is the priority so we'll figure it out I think back a lot this this may get edited out because <laughs> it may be too brutal for people to hear but I think about a lot one thing I learned when I went to um, the Moms Demand Action big conference they have every summer And I had met a gun violence survivor. This woman told me that it's much easier to lose a friend than it is Mm -hmm. to bury a child. And that has like stayed with me. And I keep coming back to that with COVID. And like, it's much easier to lose a friend than to bury a grandparent. 
I guess that's the thing. The thing that gets me mad about people who don't understand the importance of this or like why we're doing that is like, yes, it is a small percentage out of everybody who gets it that that dies. But why risk? Right. And the spread here is so bad. It's gotten so bad. (laughs) And not only, you know, the ongoing complications and just being sick for two weeks, you know, like all of it. If I had to quarantine away from my kids for two weeks, it'd be terrible, you know, Um, for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) For everyone in the house. I feel like I don't even, I don't even think my family could do it. I feel like we would just have to be like, we're just going to quarantine in public. Right. together (laughs) not in public but like in public in our house like in our right all together like our living room yeah there's no way my house would not function my house barely functions if I like leave for two hours (laughs) so (laughs) there's no way that I could just hide in my bedroom I could just see like rattling the (laughs) The baby yelling mom mom the baby must love this exactly I was just going to say so he was six months I think ish when (laughs) shutdown happened. So (laughs) like he's never sat in a shopping cart. He's never. Yeah. Like he was in a car seat, you know, like a travel uh, bucket seat or whatever. Um, So he's never like, he hasn't been in a store since then. Um, The only like public building he's been in is the pediatrician's office. So He's been to my mom's house. Like there's some family that we are seeing, but he's never like sat in a shopping cart at he's 15 months. He's going to lose right. his mom And you know, he was to. like my super social baby. Like I did a mom's presentation yeah. a week before the shutdown or two weeks before. And so he was with me because activist babies travel. And instead of putting him in the carrier while I was speaking, someone offered to hold up. Uh, you know, a friend of mine offered to hold him and walk around while I was speaking yeah. and he doesn't know her, but went right to her. Like he was the social baby. And then after being yeah. at home from yeah. March until the end of May, when we saw no grandparents, like we saw no one for that period of time, he like did not know what to do when we yeah. started seeing people again in June. You know, he's, he pushes around the little play shopping cart. And I'm like, buddy, you don't even know what that is. Like, <laughs> you, you have no idea what a grocery store is. Do you think, so when you said that you gave a presentation and handed him over to your friend, do you ever seize up with like all of the in public? Oh yeah. Going into it. I still remember we, I was at a different, like a, um, a house event for a candidate. And I remember the candidate holding him and like kissing his head. And this was in February. Mm-hmm. And at the time I'm like, ah, it's flu season. And now, and like shortly <laughs> after, you know, in March, yeah. I kept thinking, ah, was it COVID? You know, like you know what was going around that we didn't know. Of. Right. Even now I'm reading a book and reading books or watching TV shows from, before times when people are just like going to restaurants and going on first dates and you know like going to um, yeah oh I was watching Chipwrecked you know with the chipmunks the right yes Chipwrecked oh yes. with my kids yes <laughs> that <laughs> classic film it, check it out sometime and there is a like mosh pit on a um, cruise cruise ship party oh, deck God. and I was like. <gasps> 
so many people dancing so close on a cruise ship. Like it like sent me into this spiral over chipwrecked. So maybe, maybe avoid that one for a little bit. March 2nd, which was exactly two weeks before the shutdown. So like we, we had a lot of COVID cases in LA at this point, but we weren't shutting down. I don't, nobody was shutting down. So I can't really blame anybody, but March 2nd, Elizabeth Warren had a rally here that I went to and I was a volunteer like to work behind the scenes. So not only was I like there with 200 other volunteers before the crowd showed up, I was also the VIP handler. And so I would take people to the VIP section. So I'm like greeting people, shaking their hands, walking through this massive crowd putting them there and then somehow I got kind of behind the stage of Elizabeth Warren when she was talking surrounded oh. by screaming people with like I mean when I look back on it now I just like right see everybody there's particles everywhere <laughs> I am shocked a I'm shocked that I didn't catch anything and b I'm shocked that like just that idea alone causes me to like panic right now if we go, we have plate, we can eat, we can still eat outside here. And if there's like two other families, I'm like, okay, well, that was, that was a fun try. Like, I really wonder what things are going to be like when this is over. You're like, what, what things won't come back? You know, what things we won't feel comfortable doing again. My husband and I went to dinner at a restaurant for the first time and it was outdoors and you know, it's Ohio. So it was like 50 degrees in October. (laughs) But they had space, right? I like wore wool socks. I'm like, we are doing this before winter. We are having a nice dinner without (laughs) children. Um, We had layered up. It was fine. But sat by a heater. But I was staring at people like I haven't been out in public in eight months. Like I was just tall people watching, (laughs) but like I needed to tone it down. I'm staring at like how long certain people keep their masks on. And some people put their masks on when, whenever the server came over to the table and some people didn't. And I'm like, what's the right protocol here? You know, like I'm checking everyone out and seeing what everyone else is doing. And it was like, I hadn't been in public in months and now I was, and I was going to stare at everyone until it got awkward. My husband's like, could you stop? This is like, <laughs> you're really obvious. But what does it feel like when people tell you that you've inspired oh, I've them? been hearing that a lot and it's amazing, but it's also just like bonkers <laughs> to me because like I am no pro here <laughs> and like I am really motivated to do all of the work that I've been doing, but I am so new to this, right? Like I never canvassed before 2018 yeah. and I never phone banked until this year. Like this is all new to me. 2016, I, you know, woke yeah. up just wanting to not have any regrets and know that I did everything that I could. And I committed to that. And I can honestly say I did that. I learned more and more throughout these four years and want to keep learning and keep doing more in campaign work and election work. Um, It's something that really clicked with me and it's been amazing to see, you know, I have my own volunteers with moms, but then all of these other people and our friends from the internet and beyond, you know, just saying that, yeah, you know, I, I 
took this text training because of you, you know, I wrote these postcards, you inspired me, you know, all that you did, which um, means so much. And also it's kind of like imposter syndrome because I am so new to this, you know, I, I'm figuring this out too, but um, yeah, this election has been so inspiring because so many people were getting started for the first time, I think, or getting, you know, involved again um, for the first time in a long time. And that gave yeah. me a lot of hope that, you know, we'd see some good change. So there's a lot of energy from like Gen Z who lived through mm-hmm. school shoot. Like that's their whole life has been school shootings. They graduated with this Senate and this Congress and in certain states that are just ignoring their pleas for everything. And then we have like... Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with like the good boomers who like boycotted Vietnam and burned their bras and did all of that stuff. I guess I would put older millennials and Gen X in the same category. (laughs) I know all of my Gen X listeners are like, but we're not the same. (laughs) But we also came about in like pretty good times. Like Bush was president. That was terrible. But You know, our school was fine. Climate change was real, but we thought there was enough people Mm -hmm. making the right decisions. I also think cable news, like 24-hour news network, wasn't really there, so it wasn't in our face so much. But then, like, I was 26 when Obama became elected. So then I had a good eight years of, like, good, you know, dad was in charge. Um, and I still like I was I, I did some activist work then because at the time the state I lived in was Republican held. So I did a lot of work with Planned Parenthood. But my point of this whole story is like there are other groups who are doing this or just newly charged. And I think our generation is so inspired by people doing the work mm-hmm. because they haven't really seen it. You know, like I this is coming from like a very much a place of white privilege so let me acknowledge that of like nothing was really affecting us in our communities we weren't really needing to protest anything and now I think there's been this huge awakening of like we were living on some privilege bullshit and we need to take a step back I think about that all the time I think about when you got involved with moms and I got involved with moms and we were like oh my gosh Like we are not the people who should be talking right now. Big time. I said big time. Absolutely. Because you had to give an interview with like a a radio, right? Yes. Like a urban radio station. This was after Parkland, the Parkland shooting. And it was a complicated way to um, not focus on, you know, the horrific tragedy of the Parkland shooting when I am speaking with a community who sees gun violence deaths every day, right? And I think that one thing that this organization has done a better job of and a good job of is really acknowledging like the hundred lives that are lost to gun violence every single day. But in that time, I was going on this radio show and like, I cannot just go on and speak about, park, like, just speak these talking points about the Parkland shooting, which is, 
you know, the, the talking points that I was handed, you know, like, know, know your audience, like know who yeah. is listening to this radio show and, and how their lives are impacted by gun violence every single day. Um, and I do think the organization as a whole does a better job of that, but so many um, different communities that are impacted by gun violence. And I got involved initially with Be Smart, which is one of the community outreach that Moms Demand Action does. And, you know, that does speak a lot to me. And I did that for a few years um, before moving over to elections work. But there's so many different avenues, I think, with this work, whether it's, you know, death by firearms, suicide, city gun violence, um, be smart, um, you know, the Mm -hmm. legislative work, the elections work. And, you know, here in Ohio, we just finished up the elections and we roll right into our lame duck session with Ohio legislature. So we're like battling stand your ground and permitless carry. And like, you know, so we're going right through that until the end of December. So there's no breathing room. It's, you know, rolling from elections right into the lame duck session. That's one of the things we talked about in my last episode is like, we think we get to take a break now, but not really. I mean, even if you, even if you take out like the Georgia Senate race, like Ohio, you every guys have been two years, right? Every two years it comes up. As long as I've known it's you, it's <laughs> terrible every time, and they do things. In 2018, they um, had the hearing, one of the final hearings. I think it was the final hearing at like 7 p.m. They added it, a 7 p.m. hearing. So I drove down to Columbus for the 7 p.m. hearing and stayed until midnight. And, you know, that's how they're trying to get people to not show up. Like they, they work all kinds of different ways to not make it easy. But yeah, it's, it's keeps going. There's always something to do. My last question is what is the biggest lesson you have learned through the past nine months? Um, I mean, I really think when I'm thinking that I'm home with my kids and my family, just, you know, everything's going to be okay. If my kids are eating frozen corn dogs for breakfast, as my son does, or, you know, watching (laughs) Paw Patrol for the third time, you know, today, like, it's going to be okay, right? This is temporary and whatever we need to do to get through it, we're going to do it and, and we'll get through it and it'll be okay. Cause it does seem never ending, but I think at the root of it all, we know it is just temporary. It does. It feels like one long pregnancy where you're like, right. And like, I won't just like with pregnancy, I I won't like shine this glowing light that it's amazing and the best thing ever. And we're enjoying all this family time, but it's going to be okay. Right. Like we'll get through it. It'll be okay. Yeah. Right. And if we don't, we'll there's always else. another election to work on. <laughs> give, the- give me until after the holidays and I'll have a new project <laughs> because I need some kind of distraction, I think. I Last week on Tuesday, I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I am too. And I have a training like Sunday, for a fair fight for, for Georgia tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you know, a tomorrow. week off. It was nice. <laughs> that was our self-care. We refreshed. We got it out of our system and now it's time to get back. Right. I want to say like feet to the pavement all over again. Well, thank you for spending your evening with me and maybe you can sneak a few more minutes alone and no one will have to know what's happening. (laughs)
Thank you again for listening. You know, I want you to know that you're a good mom. If your kid eats macaroni and cheese for breakfast, you're a good mom. Too much TV? What even is that? You're a good mom. If you've been told you're the meanest mom in the whole world because your kid can't play sports, that makes you the best mom. Thank you to everyone who is doing the hard work every day. Part of what we are acknowledging is that we, and I'm speaking about myself and other white women, need to step up and have the hard conversations. White privilege is everywhere. And if you don't believe it, let's talk. To those of you doing the work, thank you for making the calls, doing all of it. If you don't know how to do the work and want to do the work, like Kristen said last week, open up Google. Find a cause you're passionate about and then go for it. I know I started this podcast with a, like, you're already doing all of the things, and this is just one more thing to add. But at this point, women, once again, must shoulder the burden of society. But we as women and as white women can ease that burden off of our BIPOC sisters who have had to shoulder so much more than we have. It is our turn to reach out and say, how can we help? We must make the wise and hard choices because as Rebecca mentioned, this time right now, it's temporary, but the problems, they're going to remain if we don't fight for them. So we can do this and we can get through this and we can do it together. I know it is hard and I say this buried deep in my closet because this is the only place I can do things, but we can do hard things. We've done hard things. One day we will look back on all of this and still be very, very angry about it. But let's get to that point, even if we're crawling by our fingernails. Until next time, friends.